Project Checkpoint. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another stirring episode of the Project Checkpoint podcast, keeping you informed. Brought to you by the Performance and Project Implementation Monitoring Unit of Wundo State Government. My name is Amrachi Ojima Blessing, your host for today. And with me is Olayele Jubril, my co-host. We have with us in the studio a very special guest who is the coordinator and forefront of the Undo Cares project, Mr. Bamidele John Daisi from the Ministry of Economic Planning and Budget. Our focus and discussion today is on the Undo Cares project. We will explore the project's mission, its goals and innovative strategies employed to drive sustainable change. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much. It is our pleasure to have you here with us to share the Ondoke experience and how this project has empowered communities in Ondo State. We understand this project came from a place of love, from the state government to the people. Can you give us an overview of the Ondoke project and its mission, objectives and goals? Okay, thank you very much. Um, let me again for the benefit of my listeners introduce myself. My name is Bamidele John Daisi, the coordinator on those state COVID-19 action response and economic stimulus program known uh, as Undo Cares. Uh, the case program just from the name is a fallout of uh, effect of COVID-19 on the people. And the governors of the 36 states of Nigeria, uh, they met and felt that there's need to do something about uh, the adverse effects of COVID-19 on their people. And so through the Nigerian Governors Forum, they approached the World Bank and sought for its assistance. And um, the bank eventually agreed to support that initiative. So the initiative was basically to on how to address the negative impact of COVID-19 on the people in terms of um, the vulnerable, the poor, the real poor, in terms of how it affected the farmers, in terms of how it affected firms uh, across the nation. So uh, and, uh, that made it to, the, the program is uh, divided into three areas Call it result area one, result area two, and result area three. Result area one essentially deals with the issue of social transfer. And social transfer is like um, giving a small, small stipends to the aged, the poor, the chronically ill, as well as uh, young people, and then providing basic services to communities. The result area two looks essential at how to help farmers in terms of inputs, in terms of access and access to market. And result area three looks essentially at recovery for small, micro, small, and medium, I mean, micro, small, and uh, um, small enterprises. Yeah, micro and small enterprises. So essentially, that's what. Uh, the program uh, 
is built around. And the, the, the framework of the program, the way it is uh, uh, structured is that states will spend its money to carry out all those things I've highlighted earlier. And then the World Bank will now come, assess what the states have done, and then give it like uh, uh, an, a, 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 an encouragement. We call it NEs. It's just like uh, they are supporting the state to do more on what it's doing for its people. So essentially, that's what I mean, NKS they call it, but each state is supposed to domesticate it. So you can you have something like Ondo Kias, Ekiti Kias, Lagos Kias, Ogun Kias, just like that. And so our own is Ondo Kias for the people, the poor and the vulnerable people of Ondo State. That's in a nutshell the overall uh, uh, idea about the Kias program. If you want me to go for that, I'll still go for that. Oh, thank you very much, sir. Um, before we move on, sir, you were talking about the assessment yeah. and how the World Bank gives what we you called earnings. Yeah. I would like to know what's your ranking because you mentioned that this is not just limited to on those states alone. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to know your ranking based on the the, the thirty six states we have in Nigeria. Where is your ranking based on the assess based on the assessment? Thank you very much. That's a good one. Um, like I said, the program is normally. Uh, is arranged, structured that every six, six months they will come evaluate what each state has done and on the basis of which they will be reimbursed. Okay. The first assessment that was carried out across the country on those states came third. Third. Third, yeah. And came third in the whole country, mm. the whole federation, but first in the southwest. In the sense that, in fact, if, like my credible commissioner, the chairman of the State Care Steering Committee, will say that essentially, if we want to look at it, Undose actually came first. Why? You see, um, states were expected to spend their money to achieve results. But uh, when the program was taken off, the World Bank supported every state with what we call initial advance. Mm. And the states also have its own money. Those states, the two states that came first and second, that's Zamfara and Bochi. Bochi, I mean, Zamfara added eight, eight million, eight, eight billion, sorry, eight billion in addition to the advance they received from the World Bank. Um, Bochi added four billion. In addition to what it got from uh, the World Bank, on those states we were able because we we're not as rich as them somehow, but we we, we spent like six hundred billion and million six hundred million, and the results that we achieved with that six hundred million, we were, was was the I mean was close to that of Bochi, which means if we have had something like eight billion like Zamfara had. Will have been, will have been, will have dust everybody off. That was why the commissioner said, with the little amount that we ha we applied it more judiciously, and that's how we got results. And mm. that's also why in the southwest we also came first, and the, the next state to us in the southwest was Lagos. Mm. So that so that was the, the and the uh, and the, the the World Bank and the Federal 
healthcare support unit, they recognized this and they gave the state an award. We were given us uh, an award of uh, good performance. That's that's amazing. I think it's actually very commendable to see that on those states actually ranked third in the entire country. They were even with the funds that you got, you were able to manage it and utilize it properly. Exactly. And then you ranked first in, in the, the southwest. That's by the margin. Yeah, the financial margin between yeah. the between first and second. second yes. Compared to what we. So it's, that was it's, a it's big great. win. Yes. So addressing societal issues and community needs can be complex. What are some of the challenges the Undo Cares project has faced and how have you worked to overcome them? Okay, thank you very much. The first challenge, you see, is uh, confidence building. Mm. When the program was starting, you know, the over time, the psyche of most of most Nigerians have been affected by previous governments. So nobody trusts government. When government says, oh, we're going to die, the, the, they will, will say, no, don't mind them. They're only lying. So that was the first initial challenge that we have. So even when the program was about starting, I would say, oh, uh, we want to do this. Yes, go away. You said it this year. You said that that year. You didn't do it. How will you do it now? We were even, I was even on air. We were still trying to encourage people, particularly firms. That time, firms that took loan and they were not able to perform on that loan. Small, small firms, uh, uh, those that are um, maybe uh, little, small industries. SMEs. SMEs. Uh, mm-hmm. So they took small loans and we said, please come forth, come and tell us the loans you had, who's the creditor, how much have you paid them. They didn't believe. In fact, there are some of them that message was sent to, they deleted it from their, from their phones. And so, this as scammers, but we, we were resilient. We kept on pushing, we kept on encouraging, we went on air, we used every means possible to sensitize and encourage people to come and, uh, and, and, and they cling to the program. Eventually, uh, people started coming in three crews. So in the, when they now saw the results, in fact, we are now faced with this challenge of we can't cope with the, 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 the demands, crowd, okay. the crowd that are now coming in. Because communities now, in fact, I knew there was a community that we went and said, they are going to help you uh, build schools and, uh, and health centers, supply boxes. And said, some people came that time. I recall that an administrator says, I don't trust them anymore. Mm-hmm. One year they came, they took picture of the school, took picture, took pictures of our puttees, and they didn't do anything. So the lack of trust. So the national challenge was how do we build confidence in our people to trust government, to believe that what this government, like we say, think are new, acts are new, that what this government says is able to fulfill. It was challenging, but we were able to surmount it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's and that was why we now have results. Okay. Um considering the results and you know how it has been able to positively impact some people or impacted people's life, how has the Undocares project positively impacted the local community so far? Um, could you share any success story or examples of lives that has been improved through the project efforts? Honestly, this is uh, this is the sweet and growth this story. Mm. Uh, let me just give 
a particular instance which I myself witnessed. You see, though I, I'm the coordinator for the program in Indo State, we're not really implementing, we coordinate, but there are implementing agencies that are really doing the job. It can be everywhere. Yeah. So they, 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 we have one that is called the State so, um, Cash Transfer Unit. They, they normally give uh, uh, stipends to the aged, the chronically ill people, and um, we, went, we went to visit some of those beneficiaries. At this, I recall that day, we met these old women, some of them sick, some of them blind. You see, when we started asking them, they started narrating how this program has affected their lives positively. It got to a point. They were just, they wanted to thank government. They were just the, the leader, one elderly woman was just thanking government. Suddenly, they busted into yeah. song. Song that we were all emotionally moved. It was like a prayer. It was like everything. We were, tears, was almost, tears of joy was almost coming from our eyes. That how this program has really impacted these old people. Some of them said they were sick. They couldn't buy their drugs. The program provided them regular funds to sustain their health. Honestly speaking, that's one. The other angles, like those, they, 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 we have the one for young people. We, um, we call labor-intensive public warfare. We, young people are engaged to do many jobs, like uh, desilting the drainages, uh, acting as um, uh, road traffic assistance for people who want to cross uh, a road of their schools and some other communal communal labels. And you know what? This program where they, they, those ones are paid monthly. Some of them told us that from the from the amount of money they were being paid, they now establish small, small businesses. Hmm. That they now they can now have something they now have something to follow. A particular woman said that prior to the program he, she and her husband couldn't send their words to school. So when this program started coming, that she was now saving, saving, having like a thrift. He said she now used that thrift to establish a small business. And from that small business, she's now supporting her husband and to now send their words to school. You know, this kind, there are many success stories that Gladys was in all honesty. I, I can actually imagine what you're talking about. After COVID-19, I joined an NGO that actually reached out to people in communities and I could see people cry for food. People were in need of places to lay their heads. People didn't even have clothes to wear. So it was it was a lot after COVID. And to see that the government cares about the people, the government is after the well-being of the people, is actually a good one. Like you said earlier, it was very difficult to actually build trust. but. With the story so far, I can see that people now trust in the government and it's it's actually great. Mm -hmm. So I would like to talk about collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration and partnerships often play a crucial role in community projects. Could you tell us about any key collaborations that have been helpful and are strengthening the impact of Undo Cares? Yeah, the, the, just like we said, the program is uh, it's not possible for us to do it alone. Okay. We needed to collaborate with... Um, even uh, some with communities, CDOs, CBOs, community-based organizations, 
and sometimes um, with uh, tra traditional institutions. And um, for instance, uh, the, the, those that are doing basics and social services, they collaborate with community-based organizations in the various communities where they, 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 are, they, they, they intervened by help, they work together with those C CDAs or CDOs as the case may be. And they even help them, some of them, they just, they, they, they have idea of what to do, but they don't know how to do it. Mm. So that program taught them, trained them, equipped them, that even some of them now, even after this program, they can, they can do community procurement. Some of them now, they can tell you, oh, we want to procure better, we want to do this. They have been built on how to do participatory monitoring of programs and projects in their areas. So it is this kind of partnership, partnership that we are engaged uh, with, I mean, in, into with the communal people, with the uh, people at the community level. So, and uh, aside from that, we also have this uh, partnership with the World Bank, like you said, partnership with the federal, and partnership with some other non-governmental organizations. Like in one way or the other, some even assisted or to sensitize. For instance, I know that uh, when we're having initial challenge about uh, how to bring in the, the, the artisans, the people in the MSMEs, as she said the other time, we had to go to NASI. NASI came, they supported us. They were the one who helped us take that gospel to their members. Ah, this is a logical government program by government, please let us in. So it has been a wonderful time. So, thank you very much, sir. It appears this program has not only impacted people financially or, you know, to help sort bills and every other thing, but it has actually helped people to understand that they can be useful to their community. In what way do you ensure inclusivity and equity in the government's in this project, especially regarding marginalized or vulnerable groups within the community? How are the beneficiaries being selected? Okay, very good question. In fact, that's one of the issues that, so that uh, the beneficiary will not be, uh, oh, it's, uh, it's government that just selected them and said, mm -mm. we have what we call the state single social register. That register is a register of the poor and the vulnerable that had been carried out long before care started. So from this register, it was from this register that those that benefited from uh, the social transfer, the labor-intensive public welfare, were selected. And they used criteria as characteristics. And for instance, they, those that are called aged, you must be between ages 60 to 65 for you to qualify. And then you must be considered to be poor. You must be considered to be aged, to be vulnerable before you can be selected. So those criteria were followed in select to ensure that it's not biased, it's fair. And then even people in the community will testify that this person that Deserves is being selected deserves it. So the community is another way of verifying. So it's not possible. Even community will tell you if you see us, uh, you should mistakenly pick someone. Uh, this person does not qualify. He has this. He has this. He has children that can support him, and you also remember. So, with that, we ensure that there is inclusivity. Like I said, the poor, the the aged, male, female is not only meant for men, not for women. Youths are involved. 
and the, and the, and the, in terms of the micro and small businesses, when we, you come, you tell us, we find out, we verify, is the story that you are saying about your business true? So that with all those verification factors, we're able to ensure that there's inclusivity, nobody's uh, left, be, out. left behind, like you and uh, leave no one behind. Okay. It is actually very impressive to know that the state actually has like um, a state single, you said single register, a single, a single social that register. keeps tabs of vulnerable people exactly. in the state. It's, exactly. it's quite impressive. Exactly. And um, this shows that the, the state is actually interested um, in the people and their well-being because exactly. the reason why we have a state is actually to protect the interest of the people. Yeah, government is about people. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So I would like to know, sir, monitoring and evaluation are crucial for measuring the impact of projects. How do you assess the effectiveness of the Undo Care Cares initiatives and how do you use that data to refine and improve your strategies? Okay, very good. For the onset, the monitoring framework of this program have been was set. Like now, we're supposed to, uh, we defer that with the World Bank. We, s we, we normally uh, carry out, um, send monitoring reports every three, three months the Federal Care Support Unit uh, and Roots uh, World Bank. Also, aside from that, we also go on our own monitoring. The delivery platform themselves has their own monitoring mechanism by which, in fact, they have to be monitoring to ensure that uh, the implementation of the program is in line with the objectives and principles set in what we call the operations manual of the program. There is an operation manual that guides what we are doing. And so for us as a state coordinating unit, that's our main assignment. That's what I told you the other time I shared with you. It was when during our monitoring exercise that we met with those uh, those old people that I mentioned, yeah. and we, uh, we had that experience. I think like like I said also in another in another in another uh, location, we met with sixty percent of those old people that we met that were pure, were were blind. Partially blind, totally blind. Oh, that's sad. And you look at them, you almost weep. So you, so the monitoring framework that is that is in place ensures that whatever the delivery platforms are expected to do, they do. They carry it out in line with the operations manual, which is the guideline for the implementation of this program. Mm. Okay. Um. Considering this, I think that is a good one. People, it's this is this is a very very good one, and it is very rare. You know, you don't just assume oh your government is doing this. But thank you, that's very nice. Empowerment and education are often essential components of community development. How does the Undocares project address this aspect of foster to foster sustainable change? Exactly, that's. These programs, like you said, all these are built in into the program. For instance, in when you are selecting the beneficiaries of the program, you one aspect, one essential activity you need to carry out is sensitization and education of the beneficiaries. In fact, I have also participated at several um, sensitization workshops where I also educate them on what CAS is all about, what are the processes, what are the things, what are the benefits that comes from it. In addition to that, the delivery platform goes further to drill down 
and educate the people that, for instance, like the ones we mentioned, I mentioned earlier, that from this money you are collecting, you can save. They teach them how to save, how you can from this start a small, small business and then make the business to grow. Uh, in fact, it is possible we are already planning in this day because there is one, uh, I didn't go into too much details of the program when I was starting this, um, this uh, session. There's an aspect of the program, we, we call it BLI 1.3, where those that have been, like those in BLI 1.2, those who have had money, they can be trained on how to start small businesses. So starting that small businesses, then they will be given grant to support them in starting that. So it is possible that somebody graduates from 1.2, that is collecting stipend monthly, save part of that money, start a small business, starting that small business, they will train them how you can develop your cash book, your cash flow, your profit analysis, your income to ensure that this your business uh, is sustained over time. And that, after learning that, they will now give them grant to support them. Mm. So we are looking at the possibility of that we doing that. But in, apart from that, even communities, because like I said, we, that program support communities to renovate schools, sink bowls, give them water, health, and all that. So there's a schooling the, process. Yeah. So the process of engaging the community involves training the community, training the members of the CDCs, the community development committees, on how to manage projects, project management techniques. We come to their level. This is how you can manage your program and ensure that in managing the program, no members of the community is left out. Engage your youth, involve the women, the vulnerable ensure that the interest of everyone is taken care of. So the program actually had this inbuilt mechanism on training the beneficiaries on how to ensure that even after the exit of this program, they have learned something that they can continue with thereafter. Thank you so much, sir. Um, so why he was talking about um, the inclusivity he mentioned DLI 1, DLI 1.2. I know that a lot of you are confused. But under this project, we have um, some deliverables that are supposed to be achieved at the end of the day. So we don't have people who are left out. And that's why he was, he was talking about engaging both women, men, youth. So it's not one-sided. So we have different deliverables to help different people based on their needs. And we are going to be inviting these people in charge of these different deliverables to the podcast room to actually elaborate more on their project and what they intend to achieve in the state. And what they've achieved. And what they have to tell their success story. Actually, if I may come in, what I've just done today is like a general overview. Overview, yeah. A summary of what CARES is all about. Each of those delivery platforms, when they come, each one of them will drill down on what their own platform is doing. Their areas of intervention and how they have intervened in the life of people and what have been the results so far. Yeah. All right. So as a community, um, as a community-driven project, yeah. what are some of the ways you have integrated feedback and suggestions from the residents to shape the direction and priorities of Ondo State? Yeah. For instance, we one of those feedback mechanisms is that 
we sometimes go back to the people. That's nice. We go back to them to uh, interface with them and find out this um, this uh, program or pro I mean this project that has been situated in your community. What's, how do you see it? How does it benefit you? What will you, in fact, we even ask them that. Don't look at the good side alone. Tell us, critique Criti it. Yes. Tell us what you feel that next time in doing this thing, what we should do to make it better. So through that, we get feedback. And also sometimes, you see, we also do what we do. We do something like, you know, all the beneficiaries of the program, may, may I inform you, we have their phone numbers. Wow. So without, without even going through the delivery platforms, we can just pick a number and call. I say, uh, you are so, 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 and so, yes. Are you, you we, we learn you benefit, you are one of the beneficiaries of uh, the CARES program, yes. Can you tell us? Some of them will tell, ah, oh, this program is good, though, eh, but this one, but that one, and eh, they should do this one. I say, okay. So through that means also we get feedback from the beneficiaries. Many people are more comfortable when it's the phone call. They'll be able to say it compared as to when they are. You, you know, until even as a, you know, especially the farmers. Let me tell you, farmers in Mendo State, there is something characteristic about that. They will tell you how it is. They won't paint the picture. Ah, uh, the program is good, but this is not good. So we've been getting feedback constantly from the beneficiaries. Um, I think that's awesome because a state that is very open for criticism is one that is there to save her people. So if you're there coming up with projects and you don't want to listen to the people to actually understand their needs, and if they're actually satisfied with what you're doing, or if there are problems that need you to actually pay attention to, then I don't think you have the interest of the people. But to say that you have numbers of these people that you've reached out to, and you're very open for their calls and all of that, I think that's very impressive. And it, it shows that you are actually interested in ensuring the happiness of the people of Ondo State. Thank you very much. It has been an incredible session with you. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Bamendele. Guys, yes. We are grateful for the knowledge shared and the experiences and also for reminding us of the power of compassion and community engagement. This is, you know, filled with so much empathy. This is this is an evidence that the government does not only care about, you know, some particular projects, but for the people. So, you know, you have to be in good health to benefit from certain things. So it's ensuring, the government is ensuring, you know, we are okay and satisfied. And that is a, it's a great plus to the shoulder. Actually, thank you for mentioning, making mention of that. In fact, Mr. Governor himself, when this program, when he was launching this program, told all the audience that this program is for the people. It's not for political parties. Mm. It's not for this. It's devoid of any coloration. It is meant for the people to benefit. Please don't come and tell me anything. Mm. And to be honest, he never asked. He never get involved. He's, he left it open for that those who are qualified to benefit from it. And that's a kudos to Mr. Governor. May God bless him. May God mm. bless him. Thank you so much for your time. We hope to have you again some other time uh and it's a wrap for today it was a pleasure having you here thank you and thank much. you so much for it's the insight and the detailed e explanations and exposure to what the NKS is about thank you very much. to our listeners please subscribe to our project checkpoint on spotify 
Apple, and Google Podcasts. And follow us on all our social media platforms at PPIMUODSG. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Project Checkpoint.